Okay, so I watched a couple of YouTube videos about the gold rush of 1849 so that I could educate myself. They were all under 10 minutes. It took me, I think, like 13 minutes to watch them all. I learned that there was this they one guy. all under 10? Yes. So it took you a half an hour for all three? No, because like three, two of them were three minutes long or less. Oh, okay. The other one was eight minutes long. That one was way too long. So, <laughs> so I found out there was this guy. He was a Swedish guy. I don't remember his name. It was probably Bill. I think it's always Bill. So There's a lot of Bills. Swedish Bill. Ooh, ooh. Is it Sumter? No. No? Ooh. Is it Sumter? No, it's not Sumter. Swedish Bill something <laughs> built a fort out in California and it with a bunch of land and he was like starting this agricultural empire, right? He had like all the farms. There is a Fort Sumter, but that's in South Carolina. That's yeah, the no. beginning of the Civil War. What is his name? It's not important. It's Bill. <laughs> <laughs> so Swedish Bill, not his name. Has he this, could fit in this song. Though. Has this form, but he has like a bunch of debt for some reason. He has all this debt to creditors, so he's like, I need to get more people out here to do stuff. He ends up with like hundreds of employees somehow working his farms. He hires this other guy, Sawmill Bill, to build him a sawmill. And while Sawmill Bill is building the sawmill, he sees in the river, the American River. It's named the American River. Is that still a thing? It is uh, outside of Sacramento and. Sawmill Bill is building his sawmill at the American River. He looks down, sees gold, freaks out. Oh, shit. I don't want none of this because if people find other gold here, they're going to be all over our shit. So he tells Swedish Bill, this is a bad idea. If people find out there's gold here, they're going to swarm the fucking river and I'm not going to be able to build my sawmill. And he's like, this is a problem. We are building an agricultural empire. This is priority number one. Let's not tell anybody. Spoiler, everyone finds out that there's gold in the river. So... And who told which bill? No, well, see, there's no confirmed reports whether no, it was Swedish. I'm bill. sure there's no the money is on Swedish bill because he owed people a lot. Ah, uh, he's and, like, you know. I need that gold. Yes. So people are like, is there really gold in California though? Because we're all skeptical and shit, and California is really far, far away from everywhere else in America because America just even started being, or rather, California just started being America like just then in 1849 because, or 1848 because the Spanish. Nope. Mexican-American War ended in 1848. There wasn't even California before that. I mean, it was, but it wasn't America's California. And then America took over California, and that's when we get Swedish Bill and, you know, the rest, because I already told that, right? <laughs> so then fucking President Harding. Nope. Nope. A president. Falk. <laughs> that's his name. Tells people, hey, guys, on the East Coast, there is legit gold up in that water. Go get it. And then... Everybody goes out there. Turns out there's not a whole lot of gold and everybody fucking gets sick from cholera. 20% of people die just from cholera. 5% of people die from cholera. The other 20% die from other garbage stuff that happens to you when you're gold mine. Insurance companies won't even insure them because that shit's risky. You know who makes all the money? There's this one asshole, not Swedish Bill. He'll be a uh, manipulative Bill. Manipulative Bill. The day before, like... He's like, oh, shit, I've got my ear to the ground. People are a-coming for this gold, right? <laughs> Polk just said some shit. Things are about to pop off. So he, the day before, there's this huge flood of people, buys all of the shovels and metal pans right. and all of the things that you would need for mining, buys all of them. And Manipulative Bill sells them all the next day to these people coming in. Or Opportunistic Bill. Manipulative Bill. Well, understanding of supply and demand bill. Correct. Buys all these things for like 20 cents a piece and then sells them for 15 fucking dollars, which I feel like is a lot of money for 1849. Yeah, but you also, you need it though. Yeah, you need it. That doesn't, supply and demand. That's supply why demand. knowledge of supply and demand bill knows. <laughs> and so he's the one that makes, he's the the person that made, he made $36,849 in nine weeks. That's crazy. Even in today's dollars, that's a good chunk of change. And that. It's the gold rush of 1849. <laughs> I feel like we were on drunk history, but we're not drunk. <laughs> Just history, folks. Just history. Sign on a window says lonely. Sign on a door says no company allowed. Sign on the street says you don't own me Sign on a port says three's a crown 
Sign on a port says the three's a crowd. All right, because three is a crowd, I'm here today, once again, in the underground or above ground. Who knows? Keep you guys in bunker. Are there a bun? If it's above ground, is it a bunker? <laughs> That's true. This one is definitely below ground. Then okay. Yeah. Today we're here to talk about Days of Forty Nine off of nineteen seventies Self Portrait. From the bummer shore in the good old golden days. They call me a bummer and a gin sock too, but what cares I for praise? I wander around from town to town just like a roving sign. And all the people say there goes Tom Moore in the days of 49. All right. So, Kelly, so we spent a week with Days of 49. How are we feeling? How was how was your week with this uh, with the song? You know, I actually listened to this song like all week. I listened to a lot of the covers. I think almost all of them. That's about if I had actually. Yeah. And they, they're pretty similar because it's the same kind of vibe. Although... There was, there was one that was just a lady doing an acapella version of it, which was kind of interesting. That sounds pretty fun. Uh, and then my favorite version was the uh, it was a bluegrass one, like straight up hardcore bluegrass by bl- the Blackberry Winter Band. <laughs> and shit was bad. when you say hardcore bluegrass, I, I imagine them with like some breakdowns. No, that'd be amazing. Just like a bluegrass breakdown. Just imagine that bass getting there. Oh, man. Amazing. Banjo breakdowns. Banjo breakdowns. Uh, and the guy sound, sounded like Kermit. Like there was God all damn the banjo. It. Back with the Kermit. I, like, I can't help it. So now you're imagining Rainbow Connection. No. Okay. So no. that's still forever ago. Yes. And make you stay. Forever young. If we're going to talk about self-portrait really quick... Just got a couple of a couple of things here, just to kind of set the mood for the kind of vibe that Bob Dylan's looking for. So this is Bob Dylan in 1984. Just imagine my my permed hair. Giant hair. I said, "Well, fuck it. I wish these people would just forget about me. I want to do something they can't possibly like, they can't relate to." And then I did this portrait for the cover. I mean, there was no title for that album, and I said, "Well, I'm going to call this album Self Portrait." And to me, it was kind of a joke. And then in another interview uh, a couple years earlier, he said that we released this album to get people off my back. Wow. Yeah. And and so the take on it is kind of strange because it's like, well, good job. This album is kind of garbage. But on the other side, it's like these were musicians that were like working with you and reading about the musicians kind of getting this and like sort of having to add things and to dub things. They were they worked on like Blonde on Blonde with him. And now they're working on this and they're like, what the fuck? I mean, the most infamous review, probably in all of rock journalism, applies to this album that this song is on. Uh, in 1970, it was released in Rolling Stones writer, Grau Marcus, who's been on uh, this podcast before, mentioned. He wrote a review that began with four words. He said, what is this shit? <laughs> That's so good. That's so great. He says, unless he returns to the marketplace with a sense of vocation and ambition to keep up with his own gifts then the music from the, you know, 65, 66 is going to dominate his entire career, which ironically still ended up happening, you know, even after Blood on the Tracks and even all of his 2000 stuff. It's everybody thinks about him as the voice of a generation, you know, the 1960s. So it's kind of funny that in the end it didn't really matter. But Robert Shelton also had a, had a pretty interesting take on the record as a whole. He said, quote, it was another step in Dylan's retreat from significance toward being a simple man. The country squire pictured in the album jacket standing near a barn talking to a chicken. Now I view self-portrait as an experiment in appealing to middle America on its own terms. Dylan later said a lot of worse stuff was appearing on bootleg records. It was, quote, so to speak, my own bootleg record. Hmm. 
kind of an interesting way to think about it. You know, th- these songs don't really make a lot of sense together. They're kind of blues mixed with country, mixed with pop, mixed with whatever. And he's just kind of covering them. And he's infamous of saying, you know, these were just warm-up songs. But then why go through the trouble of, like, putting them to tape? And in, in a weird way, too, it's like this almost kind of syncs right up with Triplicate. You know, Triplicate is, like, the kind of the same thing. It's a hodgepodge of a type of song that is influenced by Bob Dylan. If anything, we just kind of get a glimpse of, like, who is Bob Dylan? What is he like? What is he interested in? The record as a whole is just a bunch of covers. I mean, this is a traditional song covered, arranged by Bob Dylan. So most people will tend to put this record low only because it doesn't have that many songs that are good, which I guess is a good reason to put it low. (laughs) You know, he's sort of, he's mining for something here. And obviously he's going to get it. You know, we've covered Planet Waves and, you know, we've listened to Tangled Up in Blue from Blood on the Track. So he definitely hit something somewhere, but it's not here. Although this song is awesome and about mining and about mining <laughs> I, I didn't even mean to do that <laughs> amazing so let's uh so let's dig into the song what was going on in 1849 kelly what you're asking me <laughs> yeah didn't you prepare a paper for this i mean we were, this was uh <laughs> i already forgot the guy's name again oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm just going to rattle some stuff off. So okay. this is these are the days of 49, right? So yes. they're talking about the gold rush. Uh, so obviously we're not going to go there. But I'm just going to – we're just going to – we're 170 plus years away from this event. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Long fucking time ago. So here were things that were happening roughly 170 years ago. So the revolutions in Germany and Hungary from 1848 are continuing. And if you're interested in that, um, there's an amazing podcast called Revolutions – that is currently going on right now. So whenever you're listening to this, it's either going to be happening right as we speak or it's going to be totally done. So find Revolutions. Uh, listen to that. Um, he's covering 1848 very soon. Uh, and listen to the whole thing because it's fucking amazing uh, if you're interested in that. In January, Elizabeth Blackwell became the first woman doctor in the United States. Hmm. Interesting. 1849. It's a long time ago. On Valentine's Day, your boy... James K. Polk, president of the United States. Well, soon to be president of the United States. Well, no, he is president of the United States. Uh, becomes the first to have his photograph taken. Oh, wow. He was the 11th president. It's crazy. Uh, on the 28th of February, regular steamboat service from the west to the east coast of the U.S. began with the arrival of the USS California in the San Francisco Bay. The California would leave New York Harbor on October 6th, 1848, rounded Cape Horn in Sipa, South America, and arrived in San Francisco Four months and 21 days later. Holy shit. Uh-huh. That is a cruise. That's crazy. Uh, two that are tied to Bob Dylan happened on the same day in March, March 3rd. Minnesota became a U.S. territory. Yeah. Without that becoming a territory, the Zimmermans aren't moving in. That's well, true. We don't have Bob singing about Duluth and stuff. And then number two, the U.S. Congress passed the Gold Coinage Act, which allowed minting of gold coins. Good job, guys. <laughs> now you're thinking Bob Dylan's going to be able to cover the song in the future because of your, you know... They're not being short-sighted at all. Uh, Zachary Taylor became the president of the U.S. on March 4th. Uh, another thing tied to um, Bob Dylan, on April 22nd, the first Kennedy arrived in America. Oh. And, of course, John would be shot in 63, and Bob Dylan would be very much a part of that whirlwind 60s everything. So, crazy, though. I didn't realize it was only 170 years ago. On May 17th, the St. Louis fire started when a steamboat caught fire, and it nearly burned down the entire city. Whoa. That'd be sad. There was no arch then. Hmm. So it's just a city. (laughs) September 1st, the first segment of the Pennsylvania Railroad from Lewiston to Harrisburg opened for service. I don't know what either of those 20 years later, we would be crossing the entire country. It's kind of crazy. You know, we start with these tiny little lines and then we go all the way there. And then on November 13th, pertinent to our conversation, the Constitution of California is ratified in the general election. So... That sets everything up. So the gold coinage act starts with, you know, like you explained, you know, everybody gold fever and they all rushed out this way. A couple of person deaths in 1849, just to finish up uh, t- a couple of births. You're going to recognize some of these. Emma Lazarus. No. Who wrote New Colossus, which is on the Statue of Liberty. Oh. Um, Ivan Pavlov. Pavlovian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The dog guy. The dog guy. Yep. <laughs> and Crazy Horse was born in 1849. <laughs> Uh, and then deaths, you got James K. Polk, who basically 
is kind of a fascinating character in that he ran on three issues, accomplished all three of them, went home and died. Oh, that is his story. Well, it does. I mean, he, he kept his do. Dolly Madison died, James Madison's wife, all the way in 1849. It's crazy. That was a president. Yes, he was president in uh, in the uh, in 1808. 1808. So, long time ago. And then two other people we probably know: Chopin. That's a composer guy. Dead. Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> Dead. Dead in Baltimore yes. somewhere. Dead in Baltimore. Yeah, he, f- what, fell into a... Died in a ditch, right? Died in a ditch. Or in a, a gutter or something. In a gutter. His face down, right? He drowned or something. So anyways, those are the days of 49. You can get on a railroad and kind of get to the edge of Harrisburg, or you can go all the way to fucking California. It's now a state. Four months. 1849. Yeah. yeah. So that brings us to the days of 49, where we got old Tom Moore hanging out. He's very sad. Kelly, you did a lyrical dive. What's going on? It's interesting because the version that Bob Dylan sings, I guess, is not like the. I don't know. This is an old fucking song. I think a million people have done it and have changed along the way. But he definitely leaves out two verses. There's two characters that Bob Dylan does not sing about in this song, which I had a very hard time finding because, like you said, this is now a Bob Dylan song mm-hmm. in a lot of people's minds. And you can't find the lyrics. I couldn't find the lyrics for the other versions Correct. online. So I could only find Bob Dylan's version. Yeah, you is, would hear them and you're just like, oh, wait, no, that's. Who the fuck is else. Jess? Yeah. That mean old cuss? Right, right. <laughs> Which I would love to hear Bob Dylan sing, mean old cuss. Right? Um, so. He does get to say a jolly saucy crew, though, and that is just. Sure. One of the best things that's ever happened. <laughs> My comrades, they all love me well. Jolly saucy crew. A few hard cases I will recall, though they all were brave and true. Whatever the pinch, they never would flinch, they never would fret or whine. Like good old bricks, they stood the kicks in the days of 49. I learned a lot of words. Me too. Or maybe alternate definitions for our words. So, Jinsuit. Jinsot. Or Jinsot. Yeah, so Old Tom Moore from the Bummer Shore. I just wrote Lowell. I love the Bummer Shore. Because, like, I a, mean, it's like East Coast, right? I mean, the. Uh, uh, so I looked okay. that up too. What's well, a Bummer Shore? Yeah. Let me flip to my definitions reference. <laughs> so, the first thing I found was like a uh, oh, no. message board from 2005. Was talking about it was like people in the UK talking about textile factories, <laughs> and I just I couldn't even. And the, oh, I wish you dug deep on that. The mess, no, no, I, I, oh, I, good. The message board was asking. Uh, I guess someone had heard a version of it sung by an Irish band. The message board I found out after way after the fact must have been for either local music to the region or a specific band or something. I don't fucking know, but this thread was about textiles somehow. <laughs> Nevertheless, they were like, oh, I've been listening to this song and I was wondering what a bummer was. And like in the UK, I, like bummer yeah. has, yeah. it's like a derogatory term for like a gay person, right? Okay. Uh, at least as far as I can uh, manage, which, you know, whatever, fuck you guys. But for, and for us, it means, you know, to be upset or, yeah. like, just kind of depressed or blue. Yeah. So the first thing it says is, different kind of bummer. <laughs> That's the... So my definitions for bummer were, you know, bummer, F them in the bum, UK, right? That's that's what that is. That's what it means. Okay. And apparently that originated around the 70s. Okay. And the textile thing came into play because this person who was talking about Whatever the little towns and stuff in England are just Shropfordshire, Ham, Birmingham, Sun. Don't worry, I have to get on the M1. Completely. Just being there two weeks, you immediately because like I don't know, going to that stand-up show was really enlightening. Because I was like, ha, we're staying right outside of Brixton. I know what Croydon is. They're saying it's a shithole. <laughs> I was like, I thought it was cute because I was standing at the bus stop and I looked up and the Electric Avenue sign was right behind us, as in walk down to Electric Avenue. That that's the sign because that song is about fucking Brixton because that was the first street in Brixton to get electricity. I was like, my life is amazing. When they kick at your front door, how you gonna come? With your hands on your head on the trigger of your gun. When the law breaks in, how you gonna go? 
the other definition of bummer, which started before the 70s, like more lewd version of the word bummer, it was a horn that was outside of factories that would signal the end of the workday in the UK in the 50s and 60s outside of textile factories. Fun. So there you go. Bummer. It's a lot and of... Then, uh, are we going to get to Tom well, there's, Moore? There's one, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going right now. Gosh. <laughs> it's like, we're deep diving into bummer. I can't wait to get deep diving into the word shore. So, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So Tom Moore from the bummer shore yeah. is literally just a person who is a bum. Like... Someone who yeah, like, a person down on their luck or possibly homeless that hangs out on the bummer shore. It's not a specific place. It's just an idea. Of this is where homeless or shabby people or whatever gather. Is the, the yeah, he's definitely like a disillusioned sort of um, somebody who went out there to, to mine for gold and then never made it. I mean, what happens to them, you know? Yeah. So well, I, mean, I feel like Tom Moore is just that. I'm like, I didn't make it. So now I'm destitute. I don't have a family. I don't have anything. My friends are gone who, who shared at least that. They left their friends. They left their family. They left everything behind to strike rich. We're all poor. Yeah. None of us got it. They're dead now. I'm the only one. Fuck me. Well, I mean, isn't that kind of analogous to the situations we have, like Vietnam vets or yeah, like totally. uh, Iraq war vets? Uh, well, I think that's why the song c- continues to sort of resonate. Yeah. For sure. And then, yeah, Jinsat. Um, Jinsat. Awesome. You, I couldn't actually find a legit definition. Contextually, it's probably like alcoholic and, yeah, yeah. and uh, I guess there's a Germanic like a German word that's has that's where that's kind of rooted is and it just means like alcoholic basically yeah so. oh yeah totally probably just yeah going for gin all the time what's a jolly saucy crew though I mean it explains itself but I wonder if anyone would call themselves a jolly saucy crew because so, we shouldn't have squad goals anymore we should have jolly saucy crew goals no see for me it's hashtag really... jolly saucy crew goals Jeez, that's too hard to say Jolly Saucy Crew goals. Jolly Saucy Crew goals. You can't really even... I don't know. The word saucy to me means, like, sassy. Me too. So I think it's really funny. They're, like, trying <laughs> to describe these, like, really big, burly coal miners... Or gold miners. And they're like, yeah. it's saucy. <laughs> just going to put on my heels and dig for some gold. It's kind of... Cr- well, with your heels, you can dig for gold. They probably were just doing it. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, I love that's it. how I feel saucy. Yep. Maybe they feel saucy when they... Do they feel saucy? Or they're drunk. It's 2017. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that can be true. Um, I was still uh, consumed with the first verse because what's a roving sign? How is a person like a roving sign? I like that, though. I think that's interesting. I mean, think about it. It's like, uh, you know, somebody walking down the street. You just look at them and you're like, I know where you've been. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, I know what kind of life you've lived. And they, there goes Tom Moore from uh, In the Days of 49. And I'm like, who the f- – did they really – did people really say that? Because that's like in quotes. It's like people are saying that. Who the fuck is just shouting well, years at people? True. There goes Tom Moore in the days of 49. That's not a normal sentence. No, it's a tough one. <laughs> and what's he supposed to do to that? Right? And everyone – does everyone yell at him like that? I mean, and what happens crazy. in 50? Is he, who is he now? Is he well, now? no, because he's, he's old. I mean, we're not in 49 anymore. We're in 76. We're in 84. Yeah. And so there's Tom Moore from 49 still – he never made anything of himself. Oh, yeah. He's still a fucking bum. Gotcha. Still I mean, seems very cool. If we talked, what words could I describe? There's no dictionary book to explain how you look. Girl, I think you're so I mean, how are you ever going to, like, create a community where you're just mocking this poor old man who's lost his friends? That's so nice. And they were once a jolly saucy crew. Oh, Jesus. There's a chorus, and I put a note that says, a chorus. Can you believe it? Oh, I, well, I didn't <laughs> write it, so there you go. <laughs> that makes total sense. In the chorus, it says, how oft times I repine. And I was like, what's a repine? Do you pine and then repine? Oh, First you pine and then you repine? This repine. is a very big vocabulary lesson for me, okay? It is. It so is. repine, feel or express discontent, slash fret. Mm. You're welcome. Thank you. Jelly saucy. Yes, when I think rough and tough miners, I think saucy. Yeah. <laughs> like good old bricks. They stood the kicks. My best friends are bricks, too. Aww. What is good old bricks? Aww. Just like sturdy, dependable. Right. See, there you go. You're starting to... <sighs> so, yeah, all the characters. I love New York Jake and Bob Sign. Poker mm. Bill. Rashag Bill from Buffalo, I will never forget. All these people are amazing. I love all of them. I would be sad if they're dead too, and they are. 
Well, the butcher's boy in Game of, Game of Thrones also got stabbed real good. Yeah, he's done. Don't be a butcher's boy. That's what's up. And who are you, boy? Micah, my lord. He's the butcher's boy. He's my friend. A butcher's boy who wants to be a knight, eh? Pick up your sword, butcher's boy. Let's see how good you are. What does it mean to get tight? Because he was always getting tight. Tightly wound, I guess. Or drunk. Is that, is that really? Is that, see, I didn't, that one yeah. I didn't learn. I, I believe I've heard it somewhere. Maybe. Every, every time you'd get full, full of what? He was spoiling for a fight. <laughs> the answer is booze. Like, I don't know why you're missing this. Yeah, what's wrong? Jake rampaged against a knife. Knife greater than fist every time, Jake. Yeah. Over Jake, they held awake in the days of 49. Jake like, was a dummy. Rest in pieces. I like the Jake with the wake. At first it was like, ugh. <laughs> cheap rhyme. And then I was like, oh, okay. I like it. You'll allow it. I'll allow it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Poker Bill. Whether he lost or won, to him it was all the same. But by definition, those are antonyms. So I don't really understand how they're the same at all. I like the obsession in old folk songs with, like, gambling. Yeah. And, like, these, ro- I don't know, these roving characters. Come around, you roving gamblers, and a story I will tell. About the greatest gambler, y'all should know him well. His name was Willow Connolly, and he gambled all his life. He had 27 children, yet he's never had a wife. And it's ride, Willie, ride. Roll, Willie, roll. Wherever you're gambling now, nobody really knows. He gambled in the White House and in the railroad yards. Wherever there was people, there was Willie and his cards. And the reputation as the gamblingest man around Wives would keep their husbands home when Willie came to town And it's ride, Willie, ride, roll, Willie, roll Wherever you're gambling now, nobody really knows I'll have to find out when I get there, yes. When you get there, or if you want to waste your time No, I don't want to do that Okay He would go a hat full blind What, what is that? What does I love that it, though, it's so great I, I love Oh, these I have terms. a note, I must have figured out what a half was Hatful is as much or as many as a hat will hold. If you ask a stupid question, get a stupid answer. See, I want you to dissect that. Um, Bill lost his breath. How? How did How did Poker Bill lose his breath? What happened to him? I know. Sad. And don't we all lose in the game of death because he lost his breath in the game of de- with death, right? You're being very nitpicky. I don't think I don't think Bill is special. Ragshack Bill from Buffalo. Two bills in one song? Really? Do we need two bills? Don't worry about it. I was dreaming about bills. Does your history need two bills? I mean, I think All we right, had three bills. All right. And uh, I need to know what ragshag was. I was like, that that seems pretty... What is a like, ragshag? So rag, ragshag, a rag person shag. in ragged or masquerade de- dress. Example, a ragshag parade. I was like, that doesn't help, <laughs> doesn't help me at all. He would roar all day and roar all night. And I guess he's roaring yet. Why is he so loud? And in that hole, he roared out his soul in the days of 49. He died screaming. That's super dark. I like it. That's a lot. He put himself into the days of 49. <laughs> and, and never left. Okay. Yeah. It's true. All of them have like a cautionary tale. That's I mean, true. it's almost like Buffy. It's like, this is a moral corner. What's going on with these people? They're putting themselves into this peril. They're trying their hardest. The lesson is to not try. The lesson is to not try. Yeah. The last verse is sad. Of all the comrades that I've had, there's mm-hmm. none left that's left to boast. I put one as the loneliest prospector. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I just have a note at the bottom that's like, I like the other bootleg basement. I don't know. But now we know the bootleg, bootleg yeah. version better. The piano is less apparent and the sound is more stripped down, which I enjoy. And then I just put Judas really big because I was like, I would be that guy. I would be the one because I'm like, I think I've decided that I probably like folksy, mellow, Bob and a guitar with the harmonica. Nice. So I was like, that's me. Took 10 episodes, but we're here. You feel that way. Because I I felt that way too with the, the, I think it was the first or second song we did. One of the ones that had two versions. Um it might have been Tangled Up in Blue, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, we're, yeah because yeah, the one the version had life. the fucking hum through the whole thing because oh, of the, yeah. the organ. The, 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 the album version. Right. And then and there then, was a real live version. And I love that so much more. And it's because it was a stripped down version where there was no like electric instruments. And I was like, 
That's me. I'm Judas. I'm the one. I'm the one who yells. Well, I'm excited to kind of uh, get some that maybe don't. Well, but even like Outlaw Blues, there's plenty. You're going to be fine. You'll survive. I like them. I'll, I'm yeah. sure I'll like them, but it's. But you get it. Like you understand yourself. Mm-hmm. That's where you're coming from. So I have a couple. I found some information on the song. So the first appearance of the song in print was in the the great new popular songster, San Francisco, 1872. Whoa. The song was probably written by a banjo artist. And this is all coming from Professor William L. Alderson of Reed College. Hey, what's up, Reed? Right around here. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, so he said the song was probably written by a banjo artist, Charles Bensell, stage name Charlie Rhodes, who died in June of 1877. Uh, it was on a thing called Old Put Song, uh, Golden Songster. And so I'll just quote this verbatim. This is from Jeff Davis in the liner notes for Jeff Warner and Jeff Davis for Days of 49. Uh, quote, Days of 49 came originally from Old Put's Golden Songster, put together by Old Put himself in the Gold Rush days. <laughs> Sorry, Old Put himself. Old Put. Old Put. Yeah, it's a weird to see Put capitalized and then used multiple times in a sentence. You're like, put, put what? Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, so going back to the quote, he found that while there was no money in the mines, there was plenty of miners willing to pay for any kind of music or entertainment, this being a scarce commodity. The real money in the gold, the gold mines was made by the grocers, the dry goods salesmen, salon, ke- saloon keepers, and I guess musicians. Put probably, oh, see, put probably, you're like, what? Uh, put probably intended the song to be comic, but people have since found a sad truth in it. Oh, the comrades all that I've had, there's none that's left to boast. And I'm left alone in my misery like some awful wandering ghost. And I pass by from town to town, they call me the rambling sign. There goes time more above the shore in the days of 49. days of old in the days of gold how often times i repine for the days of old when we dug up the gold in the days of 49 in the days of old when we dug up the gold how often times i repine in the days of old in the days of gold in the days of 49 i think that's the end you know it's like you're like okay it's kind of I mean, I guess if your idea of a good time is like, I mean, the characters are kind of silly, but that ending kind of drives it home. That's like, they're just humans. They're just people trying to live some kind of a, you know, dignified life. And they all, you know, for their own faults, kind of, I don't know. They they lived by what they liked. Poker Bill didn't go out like no chump. He went out in a poker game, damn it. <laughs> we assume. We he assume. I mean, his brother doing something. Right, but he probably was like, <gasps> I got a full house. Well, maybe he was climbing a set of stairs and he was just like, oh, this is it. I lived his life. Give me a deck of cards. I just need to hold it. (laughs) So I loved it. I I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it all. I listened to a, um, from Smithsonian Folkways, I listened to uh, an album called Days of 49, Songs of the Gold Rush, performed by Logan English. Mm -hmm. Uh, I listened to that too. Okay. It was fantastic. I really like some of those songs. They're kind of absurd. Yeah. But they're lovely. Like the whole like like going it's almost like the whole journey. You're like, oh, I hear about Sacramento, you know, on the American River. You know, we're gonna go there and then it's got these great tales of like going across the plains and then meeting some girl from Pike or whatever, which is Pike's Peak, you oh, know, sure, the Pike yeah. from Colorado. Because Colorado, I mean the only reason people live there too is because gold was found on Pike's Peak. Oh, yeah. uh, before that. Maybe after, eighteen fifties, maybe. Yeah, so maybe a little bit after. And then there was a huge rush there. So most of the people living in Colorado Springs and about are only there because of the cold. Well, I didn't realize that um, before watching the uh, documentaries I watched <laughs> on YouTube. Yes. They were minutes long. That the like the whole ghost town thing is yeah. because of gold rush. It's kind of like going to Kansas. Hmm. Uh, there's so many ghost towns there. Such a massive influx of people. And then a massive deflux kind of yeah, of people, you know. It, Nowhere else except for maybe Kansas. Kansas was the hub. Kansas is the place where all of those trains started moving from to get to the tra- to get to the West Coast. I mean, Kansas was very important. I know I'm a partisan for Kansas, but it's a very interesting history that that has because the Santa Fe Trail, the Oregon Trail, the California Trail, all of them originate in Kansas. So <laughs> you have to get on those to get your ass to the West Coast. 
And then people took those trails for years. I mean, we have highways that follow it now. We have train tracks that follow it now. So it's a very interesting history. And um, just to kind of uh, finish, and maybe I'll throw this quote somewhere else, but Michael Gray um, in his Bob Dylan Encyclopedia had an interesting take on this. I mean, this is a, a traditional Yankee song. It deals very uh, consciously with the working community suffering, uh, treated through the story of one family's misfortune or a community's uh, misfortune, and then the community's annihilation. Uh, the song provides a timely epitaph, uh, epitaph for the destruction of a folk culture that such communities produce while uh, taking the dynamics of its construction from that kind of culture. And then in specifically with Days of 49, he says that uh, he offers it quite rightly as a museum piece uh, while breathing new life into it. So it is an old song, but I think Dylan does a really great job of not only with the O's and the, oh, yes, you know, like when he, it just sounds like he's having fun. You know, it's really nice to hear him sounding like he's enjoying what he's doing because honestly that is the main fault of 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 self-portrait it sounds like he doesn't give a shit it's nice i like that it's alive and it's here and i'm glad that we covered it yeah i think you're right if bob dylan hadn't have picked it up kind of out of obscurity we the majority of the covers that i listened to i think almost all of them we're within the last 30 years. Yeah, um, And it's got to be because of Bob Dylan. Yeah. Although some of them had the extra verses. Whatever. Nevertheless. Well, but here's the thing. It's like, so the one that's credited even in that like synopsis that I did, Al Lomax, you know, that we've talked about here in John Lomax, you know, they're credited for so much of this stuff because they just found the song. The song was just being sung. The song is something that's just existed in the bones of people and communities in this country for a long time. And being that it's told from the perspective of somebody who's coming off of 1849 i think i was reading something else it was like this you were hearing this song in like boston in maine you know this it resonates because the gold rush is a huge you know sort of a weird cloud over this country in that we went out there and killed a bunch of people and started started so much of what is going to go wrong with the west in american history that begins kind of right there in 1849 We've, we've kind of hit this weird peak of like steamship technology. Railroads are becoming a thing. People finally have enough money in this country that they can start just leaving. We got Texas. I mean, there's like this whole national enthusiasm. I think it's interesting to think about the very first episode of this podcast, Honest With Me. You know, I posited that the, this was his character who after the Civil War essentially goes west and sort of fulfills Manifest Destiny. Well, Manifest Destiny is not going to be a thing without California being a union state, without them resisting slavery, without the South losing. I mean, you could see these characters right here being very much the character that leaves in Honest With Me and starts heading out from from St. Louis and just getting all the way to the West. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. History, man. History. Bang. <laughs> all right, so that is... Episode 10. 10. Can you believe it? You didn't let me talk about Canoeful. What's Canoeful? This is not going to be that good. It's not. There's just, I listened to a lot of different versions of the song, just real quick. Hammers of Misfortune is a heavy metal band, and they did a version of it. You could just recommend this. Seven minutes and 44 seconds long. Are you just going to be recommending some stuff? And it's amazing. Okay, let's do this. And by amazing, I mean really bad. Hold that. But Knuffel okay. <laughs> is a fucking crazy person who did an extreme version of this song where he's just like overly exaggerated. His name is Knuffel. And I just don't do it, but also do it. Okay. At the end. So those were your recommendations for the week? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. And this, you can end it. I'm sorry. It's okay. That's fine. All right. So that is episode 10. Can you believe it's episode 10? I can't. It feels like longer. Longer? It feels like a lot longer. You've only listened to 10 Bob Dylan songs. It feels like so much longer. Why? But that's not even true. Uh, that's that true. is You've not even true. To... I've listened to like about 40 something. Yeah, yeah, about 50. Yeah, so there. Isn't that crazy though? It is. And I've seen a Bob Dylan movie, so. That's true. <laughs> Basically an expert. <laughs> so, okay. So after 10, let's check in at every 10. How are you feeling? How are you feeling about Bob Dylan so far? Well, like I said, we've seen a lot of sides of him. We have seen so many sides of Bob Dylan, and I don't. It's. I don't think we could have planned it better. Maybe we could have. I don't know. I think there's something. For the fact that this is completely random, I think this ended up turning out really well. It's a very. I mean, he's a very varied musician, but I agree. I think that this has been phenomenal to get some big ones like Tangled Up in Blue was one of those crazy occurrences, but then getting some real. 
not only gems like this, this is a fun cover. This is like our first legitimate like cover by Bob Dylan. So this is not really a Dylan song per se, but he's very famous for doing it and putting it out there and arranging it and all of that. What about all 30 songs on Triplicate? Well, no, no. Okay. Triplicate aside. Okay. I think that's one. That's a random. Yeah. We had to do Triplicate because Triplicate just came out. Right. You're, you're totally right though. Um, but yeah, it's, it, we've had everything. We've had pretty much everything except for um, Christian Bob and um, Electro Synth Perm Bob. So those are the only two that we haven't got yet, but hopefully today we'll get it. So, I can't wait for Electro Synth. I'm, I'm excited Bob. too. I'm really into this. Well, I, like the, the Judas thing I mentioned, I think yeah. that I, I, I have a feeling that's the way it's going to go for me. But Electro Synth Perm Bob. Maybe that's going to be your favorite. It might be. Just like give me that close connection to my heart. Let's do it. Ten songs in... This person is a lot different than I thought it would be. And hearing yeah. stuff that you've said about it, about him, is really interesting. Like, the, he likes Alicia Keys, and he likes... It's you talking about he had fun and how dare Bob Dylan have fun, I think is so interesting because, like, he's... I want to do this song because I want to do this song. And I think that that does say a lot about a person. The things you choose to invest your time into. Because he had to fucking do this song. He picked it for a reason. Right. Just like he picked all 30 of those songs on Triplicate for a reason doesn't really matter if you like it. Bob Dylan likes this, so Amen. he's going to fucking do it. <laughs> Amen. Absolutely. And I think that's really cool, and I think that gives you an insight into somebody maybe more, I mean, definitely more than producing a record for the sake of producing a record ever will. Here's the thing, too, about Grial Marcus, just to emphasize that point, is that what is this shit is a great tagline, and today it's clickbaity as hell. <laughs> But inside of that is a four-page spread where he legitimately dives in to what is going on and what is the ethos of this album. And today, I think that we we rely on this idea that we know what an artist should do better. And I think you're right. Bob Dylan is going to do triplicate. He's going to do Fallen Angels. <laughs> and fuck all if I, if I don't like it because it's what he's doing. And if I want to engage with it, that's on me. It's not on Bob. Bob does whatever Bob wants. And I think more artists should follow down that path. Do what they feel. Other people will catch on, or they won't. And it's not up to you. You don't need to pander. And instantly, that comes with a, a level of integrity that you can't touch, and you can't put a price on. Uh, yeah, we're getting a little long on this guy, but it was a great song. Yes. I really enjoyed this song this week. Um, I, I hope we get another great one next week. Let's let's see knowing bob dylan it's it's a dice roll still so it's, uh, well you know what i you know it won't be is blind willie mctell because even if we get it you're gonna not let us fucking do it so uh if we get it then the bunker has played me again for a fool and i will not allow that uh all right so let's do our recommendations this week so kelly what were you beyond days of 49 in your documentary um you know <laughs> deep dives what what else were you what else were you rocking, listening to, watching uh, that sort of maybe in some way relates or doesn't relate at all? Doesn't relate at all. Well, I don't know. I've been playing a lot of Fallout 4 um, because I got an Xbox One, so that's nice. But the new season of Naked and Afraid XL just started, so we've been watching Naked and Afraid a lot, which I like. It's really fun. It's naked people in the wilderness surviving for 40 days, and it's really neat. And... Uh, Politically Reactive with W. Kamau Bell and yeah. uh, Ari Kondabalu. I can't fucking say his last name. Kondabalu? Hari Kondabalu. That, anyway, it's a podcast that's about political issues. They have they do interviews and stuff. And they're comedians, so it's, it's funny. It aligns very much with my view of how I wish America would be. So I enjoy that a lot. I've been listening to their new season since it just started. So Politically Reactive Season 2 is what I would recommend. Sweet. Yeah. I've got a couple of recommendations. <clears throat> <laughs> Let me clear the floor. Oh, here. no. No, it's not bad. Okay, so uh, first of all, just on TV world, uh, I would recommend just uh, series that are back. Leftovers, season three. Fargo, season three. And all of British Bake Off. I'm currently on season six. Nice. But I, I started at four. So I've got to go back. <laughs> so you can catch up anytime. Uh, however, I'm also going to recommend something that came out today, which will date this episode a little bit, even though it's going to come out a little bit later. Um, it's a record that is... Uh, incredible and it's a live album by one of my favorite musicians ever Sufjan Stevens uh, it's called Carrie and Lowell Live which is this concert that he was playing around in, in 2015 when this came out so I just want to really quickly because this moved me while sitting at work today and I'm just like moving away just having feelings feeling something kind of like Days of 49 you're feeling it 
feeling. to make me feel feelings. And I was like, nope, not going to do it. So I'm just going to read something that I wrote right after um, the concert in 2015, June 9th, 2015. So I'm just going to read this really quick. So maybe this will inspire you to go listen to it or listen to Sufjan in general. But if you love Bob Dylan and you've never heard of Sufjan Stevens, you got to you got to move in that direction because it just seems crazy. So anyways, here we go. Quote, I guess I don't quote myself. This is what I said. So this is what I wrote just to myself. This is just a, this is a personal journal entry from myself. So we're hearing it here first for the first time ever. This is exciting. Yes. This experience was transportive, not just with lights or the sense of being abducted by aliens, but because he was singing about my home for the last three years. And I was compelled to watch from afar. He mourned, I guess I wasn't compelled because I bought a ticket and I was there. <laughs> so let's fix that one maybe a bit. Uh, okay. He, he mourned a complicated and difficult relationship that ended abruptly with no sense of finality, no resolution. He found strengths in the pulses of wonder, regret, estrangement, attachment, and chaos that ebbs and flows in these songs. It felt like he was talking to me when he said that sadness is important, but to wallow in misery too long helps no one. Look up, look up, look up, he said talking about the windows of the world we must keep open. There is light all around you. I had steeled myself to these songs, unlike the girl in front of me who bawled the entire time. But I almost lost it in that split second of wondrous human recognition. It was dark, yes, but in the squalor, Sufjan suffused beauty and awe as our lens. Here's suffering. Here's resentment. Here's sadness, he almost seemed to be screaming. But look, here's Perseus. Here's the Pacific Ocean. Here's transcendence. Sufjan sculpted a sonic spire that stretched into the exosphere and beyond, knocking firmly on the Tower of Song. partied in Brooklyn and you know I got to see him cry after singing the song Eugene here in Portland I've never been to a show where everyone is just so patient and understanding also (laughs) (laughs) also um, there's also a video out there that you can go watch and when you listen to it the, the last song is called Blue Bucket of Gold Gold Rush baby what's up it all ties together everything is Bob Dylan yeah okay so 655 we are making headway. We are 10 down, 655 to go. Seems like we're almost done. Well, thanks for joining us for this very <laughs> short run of Bob Dylan songs. He has nothing to offer us. Oh we're done. Goodbye. All right. We're at random.org, our favorite website. If you've never been to random.org, check it out. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor. It's really cool. I, I love you can really get lost in it. It's got fun games and stuff like that. All right. So one out of 655. Kelly, what's the number that you think it's going to be? I don't know why I'm holding off. Like instantly I'm going to know the number generates to what song it is. 67. Six. Whoa. 123. Ooh. Anytime we're in the 120s. No. We're blind 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 really Hang on. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not. It's not. It can't be. No. There's no way it is. There's no way it is. There's no way that it is. There's no way that it is. No, it's not. Uh, Don't Try Me Now from the Basement Tapes. 
All right. So this is episode 11. I don't know it offhand. Don't try me now. Basement tapes. We're cutting in. Go basement tapes. That's the big pink thing. Yes. That's <laughs> the big pink thing. Tune in, tune in next week for the next episode, episode 11. You What's... can find us online at SOTWpod.com. Don't try me now. Don't try me now. Uh, SOTW, at SOTWpod, everything. So just type that in. In general, you get whatever. We do Twitter. We do all kinds of stuff. So just come join us. Uh, like, subscribe. You know, all the stuff that I, the podcasts tell you to do. Pretend just do the, a real podcast and yeah, do what they yeah, say. Do like do iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. SoundCloud. There you go. Do those things and then we will be successful. And then you will be successful too because then we'll have some time to do this because we'll be like, oh, people really love it. I mean, we do it anyway because we're having fun and hanging out. But we would like you to join the conversation. So if you like it, please tweet us. Just say, hey, the podcast is really cool. You guys are trying hard. I mean, trying hard is good enough. We're trying our best. We're trying our best here. Also, if you tweet us, you're actually tweeting Daniel. And Daniel will let me know if it's about me. But otherwise, just talk to Daniel. I probably won't even tell her. So just like say <laughs> nice things about her. And then I won't even tell her. So then it's just between you and I. And then we have a secret. You see, now we've forged a bond. Hit us up on the internet. We live there. We also work. We live in Portland. You know that now. So please, you know, tell us your Portland stories. Whatever. Tell us about the basement tapes. If you've ever been there and you've seen Big Pink, tell us what it looks like. Tell us if it's still pink. I know it's still pink, but just confirm it for us. <laughs> I mean, keep a Big Pink watch. Why not? Take a picture of yourself at Big Pink. Tag us in it, and we will talk about you. Yeah. Yeah, we'll totally talk about we'll you. We'll say your name on this podcast. We totally won't forget to do that. Nope, not even once. See you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Shit. That's what will happen on the Say love, a brother and a daughter.